What's up, disc golfers? Joe here with Joe's Disc Golf, and it is not Tuesday at 9 a.m. It is Tuesday at about 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, uh, up until basically podcasting starts paying all the bills, it's going to take second place to the job that actually does pay all the bills because without money, I can't do this. And, um, you know, money isn't everything, but kind of like having a house and a computer, a car, internet, you know, the little things in life, just things like that to help me really keep actually going and doing things. But anyways, welcome to Joe's Disc Golf Podcast, the weekly podcast hosted here in this beautiful, beautiful studio. Sitting behind the big wooden desk, sponsored by Log. What rolls downstairs, a loner in pairs, rolls over your neighbor's dog? What's great for a snack and it fits on your back? It's Log, Log, Log. Log from Blamo. Not a real sponsor there. I feel like I always have to add that disclaimer because I feel like I'm old enough to know what show that came from, but not everybody else may or may not remember or have watched uh, Ren and Stimpy back in the day. That is a fun little fact of trivia right there that we are working on today right now. Did you get out and play any disc golf this past weekend or this past week since the last podcast? I managed to get out multiple times, actually. Uh, Took actually several days off, to be completely honest. I took off last uh, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday because I'd had multiple, multiple rounds of um, just not doing well. All mental. Physically, I was fine. Just doing just just dandy, just ducky, just awesome and amazing. But mentally, my game was all over the board and it was it was just not good. And unfortunately, what I needed was just time off, time away to be able to uh, compose myself, get everything together. And um, it worked. I managed to go play a tournament freedom flight in Tiffin, Ohio this past weekend. Managed to take fifth place after uh, clawing back from just squeaking in to eighth place. Just, just squeaking in an eighth to clawing my way up to fifth. Uh, the guy who won it, did a he, he played a great round. Uh, I played an okay first round and a really good second round. You know, it's not hard to improve your score when you shave four strokes off of just two holes. That's right, I took two Double bogeys back to back. It was a bad, bad, bad start to a tournament on a course I played absolutely blind. And playing a blind course is a challenge to be certain, but there's something relaxing about it. I had zero expectations and it ended up working out just fine for me. Uh, Could have played better, could have made a few more putts, but, um, you know, putting is what, uh, what we all say we need to work on. Throw for show, putt for dough. And I put on a pretty good show and didn't really make all the dough. So that explains everything there. But I've got a great show lined up here. We're talking about a local disc golf enabler. Man, that guy's just pushing the disc golf. He's just pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And he really wants you to get some. On top of that, we've also got Disc Mania moving on out to the east Sure. I don't know. Moving to Sweden. Uh, We got some uh, disc golf knowledge here dropping in 
at uh, the slopes across America. What are those ski hills doing? As well as the PDGA elections. That is probably going to be a spicy topic. And I expect anybody who is currently watching to weigh in on that one. That's for sure. After my video has kind of uh, seemingly gone viral, at least in the sense of disc golf world. I'm not making any claims that I went viral at all. Although, you know who did go viral? Big old James Conrad. He definitely went viral. Who has seen that shot? The holy shot! He made that thing look easy. Not only was it about 250 feet, 247 to be exact, well, as exact as people want to say, that's what I think Udisc had. Whatever, 250 feet into the sun with a putter, needing to make the shot to force the playoff. And he did it. It was absolutely amazing. Now, one of the questions was that I saw on Facebook was, did Paul Macbeth choke? Did he choke there on the playoff hole? No. In my opinion, no. Did he um, screw up his shot just a little bit? Yeah. But here's the thing you got to remember. He just watched James Conrad throw it in from 250 feet. Momentum shifted massively to James Conrad to go into that playoff. On top of that, Paul knew he had to kind of step it up a little bit. So adrenaline's pumping, the excitement from watching that shot, knowing what had happened there before. He's like, I got to I got to do something. I got to juice this. I got to get it going. And um, he just threw it a little bit too hard. And let's face it, James Conrad aced hole 16 and he parked it and he parked it earlier that day that day. So he knew what to do. He knew how to get there and do what he had to do. And I'm not saying Paul Macbeth didn't. Paul Macbeth parked that hole three days in a row or three. Well, not three days, but all three rounds, first round, third round and final round. He parked that hole. So the fact that, you know, he overcooked it just a little bit. I mean, give the guy some a, a little bit of break there. Like he did not choke. How many times have you seen an amazing shot? And then you're like, all right, here we go. Got that little bit of tournament arm and you just, you know, you got it. You know, it's a it's your favorite hole. It's right in your wheelhouse. You know, it's exactly 250 feet and you know that you throw your Emac truth and it's on a dead straight line and it's perfect every single time you drop it right under the pin. Well, today you just, you know, you got excited as the first time you're playing the tournament or you're real close and you give it a little extra something. And instead of it just sliding right in there, you know, he just it. He overcooked it just a little bit and it happens. I mean, it really does. Um, yeah, smart, uh, as uh, Killer Cruz says, smart golf and luck seriously collided to create history. Yeah. And if you really think about it from James Conrad's perspective, hole 18, you're down one stroke to Paul Macbeth. You're up three strokes on Nate Sexton. He misses that shot. He's got second place locked. Like unless he somehow like five putts, which wasn't going to happen, even if I think there was OB on that hole. I, I forget off the top of my head. But either way, there's no way that James Conrad is not getting second, which is pretty awesome. And then he's like, the hell with it. I'm going to go for it. And he does. And it was beautiful. It was amazing. So many breakdowns out there. It was on uh, somebody. Somebody actually posted that it went ultra viral especially for disc golf. Everybody in disc golf has seen 
the holy shot at least a dozen times. If you haven't, you're not a disc golfer. You haven't watched that multiple times. You're not a disc golfer. I'm sorry. It's just uh, it's one of those barriers to entry. It's just how it goes right now. Uh, but golf websites talked about it. It made ESPN Sports Center. It was a number one clip. I mean, the guys didn't really sound like they knew what they were talking about with disc golf, but they can appreciate the fact that he threw it in from 250 feet. Most of those guys play football and, you know, that's throwing it in from what the 20 yard line to the opposite goal line, roughly, if I'm doing my math right in my head. So it's pretty it's pretty amazing. And just everywhere that it, it was shown, everybody loved that shot. It was great. It was just a beautiful shot. Um, Killer Cruz is also asking, what are your thoughts on the future of MVP? I think MVP stock is going up. That's for sure. Uh, to the moon, maybe. I don't know if it's going to go up that much. But the notoriety that uh, James Conrad has brought to MVP has definitely helped a lot. Now, I'm <sighs> the only MVP disc I've ever really come into contact with was when I signed up for the PDGA three, four years ago. I believe it's a Tesla and it's 150 grams. So I didn't like it, but I don't throw anything under 170, generally speaking. Like I just, I don't throw the lightweight discs. I usually stick right around 175, give or take a couple grams here and there. So the fact that it was, you know, it's 150 grams, I, I didn't like that. Um, I also thought at the time, that it looked kind of cool with the PDGA logo. And hey, if you saw my video from earlier last week, um, not so high on the PDGA, at least as of right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, they're like any MVP. Well, MVP has now joined the list of all the disc golf manufacturers who are like, we can't get plastic out fast enough. We can't do it. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you're Innova, Discraft, Discmania, which is a Nova essential. Well, not anymore, but that's coming up later. Um, any of the trilogy brands, basically anyone who makes PDGA approved discs. Yeah, good, good luck finding them for a good price. Like I need to actually replace one or two discs in my bag because they're just getting to that point in wear and tear where they're not doing what I want them to do. But because they're not super popular molds, they're not being produced. Like I need a new stiletto. And I don't really know anyone else who throws the Latitude 64 stiletto. Enough people do because it hasn't been discontinued, but it's a very, very, it's a 13, three, one, four. Like it is stupid overstable. And it's, it's my flop wedge. You know, every golfer has a flop wedge. That one club that you pull out, you know, maybe a handful of times throughout an entire golf season. Well, this is my whole 17 at PFW disc. I just throw that thing out there. I throw it about 70 feet in the air and let it come and crash down. And I swear if I'm outside of 15 from the basket, then I threw a bad shot. Um, unfortunately, now that that Tesla or the Tesla, wow, um, Elon makes some discs. Now that that stiletto has kind of been broken in a lot, it's like five years old, six years old. It's hit a fair few trees. It is a very unique disc now, but um, that disc is needs to be replaced and I can't find a good replacement for it at this time. And 
I've tried to find other ones. I'm currently with Team Trilogy, so for any tournament play, I have to throw Trilogy. So Westside, Latitude 64, and Dynamic Discs. And between those three, nobody makes a suitable replacement because, you know, I used to throw the Flick, and I love the Flick. That's a, I believe it's Discraft. And that is crazy overstable, but a lot of fun to throw. And it, it worked. But um, that's just kind of how it goes. Um, but hey, you know what? It, it is what it is. I know things will calm down as it, as it stands right now. Um, everybody's trying to increase their production. They're trying to figure out how much of this is going to last, if that makes sense. Like, how much is, um, you know, how much of this hype is going to die off? from COVID. Let's be real here. Everybody saw huge spikes in their numbers as COVID was happening and how, um, you know, things like that. It's like, well, all right, you know, our sales have increased three times, but do we hurry up and increase production, buy more equipment, buy more space, buy all this stuff. And then a year from now, you know, half or more just stop playing. So it's, it's kind of a tough tricky spot like i listened to uh, disc golf answer man and i know dynamic discs and latitude 64 and west side are kind of like uh, you know we're gonna expand a little bit it's not quite enough to meet the production demand now but at the same time is this gonna stay because you know their growth was like kind of like that it's kind of going up and then it just whoop straight line up and so they're like okay is it gonna dip back down and then we're gonna have too much stuff and then have financial issues from that so i can understand you know that's that's the dynamic disc perspective that disc golf answer man provides but you know every other company is going through the same thing um but besides that um we've <laughs> we got all that going on and on top of that disc mania going into that decision right there of them splitting off from anova so they've been with anova for 15 years or so i want to say give or take they have it's been months since they've had any discs come out from their originals lineup which has been pretty popular i know that i've been waiting and waiting and waiting i've got to throw a tilt once now i know i can't use it in tournaments but god that thing was fun to throw i had a blast throwing it that thing was so overstable i threw that out at on my forehand at like a 70 degree angle and it still turned over or not turned over, but it turned back and it just was, it just put a smile on my face. But uh, Discmania recently uh, dropped the new P2 putter, a long, uh, prototype, and said that, hey, we're going to be taking our originals production and going elsewhere. So what you're going to see on the PDGA website is a whole slew of Discmania discs that are getting re-approved because right now, or as it was, Disc uh, Anova was making their discs, so they've had some issues with them because Anova's got to make their own stuff. Like, take care of me first, and then move on to you. So it's been a little disheartening for Discmania, but the good news is everything is going to stay the same. Like, all the names are going to stay the same. They have to retool the discs and do all that because Discraft or God, why do I say Discraft? I'm looking at Discmania, thinking of crafting up supplies here. Like, it's, you know, Minecraft, Disc Golf, I don't know. Words are hard and jumbled together. 
But going back to uh, Discmania, they own the names, so the names will all be the same. It's the uh, actual manufacturing process that'll be changed because Innova owns that process. And as a side note, it it is kind of a known-ish fact that Discmania, uh, their discs were just kind of hodgepodge Innova discs. So, you know, they could do something like, let's take the flight plate of the AVR and then put it on the boss rim because the hell with it. Why not? Or let's take a destroyer dome and put it on. I'm trying to think of another one. Um, You know, just insert name here. They would mix and match different tops and bottoms to their different, uh, their different molds there. So, uh, it, it was a tough decision for their CEO, Jesse Marisma. Um, but fortunately for them, they're going to be right down the street from Latitude 64. And Latitude 64, Tomas has been helping them out, like just general, not like designing. He might actually be helping them design some stuff in Sweden, um, but helping out with a few of their, you know, design processes and just kind of like, this is how we're going to see. Um, you know, this is how we run our factory. You don't have to run it the same way, but why reinvent the wheel? If you got someone else out there helping you going like, hey, it makes sense to put this machine here, this machine next to it, and then this machine and set it up this way for efficiency's sake. You know, if someone's going to help you out with that, that's great. I mean, I'm, I love the competition. I love that Innova and Discmania are separate now and that, you know, you got the trilogy brands there. Sort of separate and the same. It's it's weird. That's a whole weird setup. And Discraft and all these companies are different, so they're going to try to compete for your dollars, which is only going to help with creating innovative things and coming up with better plastics and different things. Like, is the Latitude sixty four Royals line crazy different than some of the other plastics that other places offer? I don't think it's too like it's got a really nice polishing feel. Like the finishing on it is awesome. The fact that there's no flashing on the underside of the rim, that's awesome. I mean, how many times do we all go out and find a piece of concrete or even take a little bit of sandpaper and smooth that down so you don't tear your fingers up? And it's like, oh, great. Now I just cut up all my fingers. Now I'm out for a week because of this stupid thing. But all that stuff has kind of helped there. So it's going to be fun to see how Simon and Eagle kind of talk to Discmania and how they're helping out with that and what they think of the new versions of the P2 or their DD3s or whatever it is. What's what's really going to be interesting is Innova rebranding, say, the P2 as, I don't know, the AVR5 or something. I don't know. I'm just making things up off the top of my head. But since they made it, I mean, I think they have to get it re-approved uh, because they're changing the name, even though everything else is the same. But it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, the new originals is their great, um, uh, their great line there. That's kind of uh, they they hired a chemist to reverse engineer their sea line plastic. So the new originals is supposed to be their new version of sea line plastic. Now, it isn't going to be identical to the current C-Line because that's just the way things go a little bit. They're going to have a different plastic supplier. So 
just that basic right there is going to change it ever so slightly. And the way they color them is going to be slightly different. So that'll change it ever so slightly. But overall, unless you're holding both of them right next to each other, it's, you know, it's not going to be all that different. Um, one of the things that I found interesting was the uh, what uh, Marisma said. He said, I don't want to blame anything on Anova. This is not Anova's thing, the pandemic. Nobody knew it was coming. So he's just talking about um, somebody had asked him about how come Discmania hasn't had as many discs out there and how come, you know, you guys are kind of slacking, quote unquote, and not getting all this stuff out there. Well, unprecedented demand by it factored in with lack of supply of plastic. And on top of that, not being able to ship things across the country, it's it's been it's it's tough. Um, oh, I, I say Anova all the time because I mess up pronunciations all the time. Uh, just ask any one of my friends. I screw up things all the time. You should have heard me oh, a couple months ago trying to say Lisa Fakus's name before I'd actually heard it. That was, that was some fun entertainment there. Um, but they're all they're all great companies and they're all doing great things. Um, the reason I kind of got hooked into like trilogy stuff is we had a, a pro out here. My buddy got to be friends with him and they're like, Hey, you know, come out disc golfing. And I, I was already disc golfing and I had a, a boss that was God knows how many years old on top of all these other discs that I've just kind of accumulated. And they're like, Hey, come out here and let's play. And I was like, Oh, I kind of need something like this. And he tosses me a, you know, a justice and goes here, throw this. I'm like, Ooh, I like that. So I went out and bought a justice playing out another time. Like, oh, I need a, I need a, a fairway driver. That's fairly straight. And he's like, here, try this escape. I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah. All right. Now, if I'd gotten hooked in with another guy who is Innova or Innova, um, I would, I probably would be big into them, but honestly, like, is I don't care what what everybody throws. Obviously, the only people who really care what they have to throw are the pros who are being sponsored by, you know, whoever. If you are a Discmania sponsored guy, <laughs> if you want to keep your job, you're going to be throwing Discmania. Obviously, um, as for a uh, <laughs> nice uh, Tanner says, I hear you. No big. I hear a lot of different pronunciations of Anova doing that on purpose i'm an anova fanboy which is the only reason i'm particular and i totally get it like i was saying like i'm a fan of the trilogy stuff it's what i got into and at this point like i don't want to find i don't want to take the time to learn new discs and go all right so what is the uh trespass in disc mania or whatever like i i just it is what it is I don't care what anybody throws. You know, you go out and throw mixed bags and do whatever you want. If you're, as long as you've got the discs you need and you're going out there and having fun and throwing what you want, that's great. If you come up and you're like, hey, you know, I need something that's this. I'm going to reach in my bag and go, here, try this. Try this thing. And, you know, if you like it, great. You know, there's a shop in town that sells it. If you don't like it, cool, but give me my disc back. Don't walk away with my disc, man. Stealing another man's disc is not a good thing. You know what else is actually a good thing? Besides the segue that I've got here, 
the Disc Golf Pro Tour signing that multi-event broadcasting contract. I think I wrote it in this wrong. I think I said multi-year. It's multi, multi-event. So this fall, if you haven't seen or heard of the announcement, this fall, August 4th, I guess that's still technically summer, August 4th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you on ESPN can watch the Portland Open. It will be a two-hour show covering the whole deal. So what they're going to end up doing is kind of like what um, the Dynamic Disc Open did uh, last year with CBS Sports. They're going to have, um, who is it? Oh, Joe Canale. Can- Canale? C-A-N-A-L-I of Bluefoot Entertainment. He helped do the production with um, CBS Sports last year. He put together all the different footage from like Jomez, Gatekeeper, GK, and whoever else was videotaping at that time. Put it all together to to compile it into a cohesive plot line, essentially, of what was happening for the DDO at the time the dynamic disc opened. So now for the Portland Open, they're going to do the same thing. So I've got a video coming out on this, hopefully by the end of the week. Uh, work has been interesting. So hopefully uh, the, I'll have a video going way more in depth on this. I think them getting onto ESPN2 is a good step. I really do. But uh, TV broadcast is not the be all end all that it used to be, in my opinion. Um, not as many like I haven't had cable since I moved to Fort Wayne. So I haven't paid for cable in about seven years now. And I don't miss it at all. The only times I did miss it when the Blackhawks were winning all those Stanley Cups and I had to go to the bar and I probably could have paid for at least a year's worth of cable by the time I was done eating and drinking especially when the Blackhawks at the time really liked to go into double and triple overtime, long, long games, but a blast to watch. But I digress. We're going to move back to this. Um, What's going to be cool is all these post-produced partners with Disc Golf Network and with the Disc Golf Pro Tour are going to um, get everything together and make it look really, really awesome. And hopefully everything there will, um, it'll expose more people to disc golf. And besides just seeing the holy shot, they'll be able to to catch what a a great tournament looks like. They'll be able to see what the top athletes in our sport are able to do and able to perform other than just watching like catching a random YouTube video here and there of like maybe some form or maybe they watch a trick shot thing or maybe they do watch used to watch Brody's old trick shot videos from back in the day which were very entertaining to watch. I was an ultimate Frisbee player as well. Clearly not the same level as him. Clearly not the same level as any of those guys now for disc golf, but it was still fun to watch those things and play and just see all that stuff. So getting that on ESPN too, it's going to be pretty great. Um, what's also going to help too, is that they'll be able to get some monetary value back out of that the disc golf pro tour will, because they'll be able to sell ad spots during that time. So hopefully Things there will keep on rolling, keep getting disc golf bigger and bigger and kind of move it out of the niche sport area into something bigger, hopefully without losing too much of what disc golf makes disc golf. And I know I got caught a lot of flack for my video uh, with talking about all the crap that's been going on with the PDGA and Brody, which I will get into here when we talk about the election stuff. But just to kind of finish up this this topic here with them being on there, it's going to be pretty cool to see all these uh, people there, 
with hopefully they'll be able to move on to the ESPN main channel, which is about seven times larger audience than what ESPN two is, which is still a huge audience. Like, don't get me wrong. Joe Meza's 315,000 subscribers are, are great, but they're going to get more people from ESPN two. On top of that, like I'm doing the quick math here. If I'm remembering my numbers correctly, there's about 700,000 people subscribed to a total of Disc Golf Network YouTube channel. Joe Mez, Gatekeeper, Ace Run, GK, and Central Coast. Uh, between all of those with, I want to say, GK and... Is it GK that has 70,000? I'm trying to remember off the top of my head here. And Jomez with the lion's share of the people there. But I do think that we will get to a grand total of a million subscribers between all of those, probably by the end of the year as these big tournaments go. Like I'm sure all of those companies saw huge spikes in viewership just watching the holy shot because that was, that was crazy. With the Portland Open, it was sponsored by Dynamic Discs. So Dynamic Discs is also helping to present and they'll be one of the top sponsors for this uh jeremy rusco uh, of disc of dynamic disc said we're thrilled to be a leading partner in the effort to grow disc golf on a national level once again this type of exposure only serves to help bolster the continued growth of the sport and i think he's right i think it's gonna be great i think it's gonna be a lot of fun they're gonna have you know disc golf guys talking about it i don't know who is going to be the color commentators or the commentators on this, I would hope it's a big, sexy Eula Berry. All those three guys, I think they do a fantastic job together. No, nothing against the people who, the three or four people who cycle through with Disc Golf Network. I think, I think those guys with Jomez just, I think they do it better. But the other thing is post-produced versus live, two very different ball games right there. So, uh, you know, it is, it's a difference, but you know, it's fun. And what also is fun is we're going to, since I've talked about it a couple times now, uh, we've got eight people running for PDGA board, including PDGA president. That's right. We've got people running for president here because our fearless, faithful president is no longer He's not seeking re-election. So voting is open now. You should have gotten your ballot already. If you haven't, you can always contact. Let me get over here. PDGA at IntelliscanInc.net. Yeah, I know. Rolls right off the tongue. Um, you can hop over to the PDGA website, log in, and you'll be able to request your ballot there if you haven't got it by Friday, July 9th. So voting open July 1st and will close on July 31st. We have all these people running for office, including Wilbur Wallace, Robert Decker, Tim Petri, 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 uh, Will McCaskill, uh, Michael Munn, John Baker, Leah, David Schreff. I, Leah's last name is T-S-I-N-A-J-I-N-N-I-E. I am sorry, I'm not going to be able to pronounce that. If you hop over to the PDGA um, website, you can look at all their bios there. Uh, the Disc Golf Dude did a uh, interview with each one of these people, so that was pretty handy there. 
I haven't been able to watch all of them, but I'm hoping to get that all out there hopefully soon and get another video there. The content just keeps on going and it's pretty fun to do. With that being said, I'm curious how this will always how this will go. Um considering the way things were handled with uh Justin Menichelli. I believe that's how Terry Miller pronounced it. Hopefully I got that right. Uh but he he needs to understand, and this is what I think the problem one of the problems is, is that he he didn't realize that one, he was invited on, as I understand it, as the PDGA president and as a representative of the PDGA. So unfortunately, that hat never comes off. No matter right, wrong, that's just how it is. Whether or not you are able to voice your own personal opinion, you're always going to have that hat on that says PDGA president. So while you're in your term, which is three years, and he signed on for two terms, so he was reelected, and so this is he's finishing up his sixth year. It just it's I get it. You want to have your own opinions. Right or wrong, what he said, you know, right or wrong, he wants to have his own opinions. The problem is he is almost always representing the PDGA. And so when it comes to that, it's it's just is it always fair? No, I don't think so. Um, and you could say that about anyone. Um, you could say that about, um, I don't know, Terry Miller as a rep. He is almost always representing Disc Golf Network and uh, Disc Golf Dude and all that on top of his whatever his regular job. I don't know if he does it full time or not. I, I apologize if he does. But either way, he is for better or worse, always representing that, whether he likes it or not. Just like whether I like it or not, I'm always representing Joe's disc golf. That's just, that's how it goes. So I, I have to, you know, sometimes if my opinion is, uh, I have to be mindful of what my opinion is that I voice out to the public like this. Now, fortunately, I'm not in a position to make any of those decisions or changes. I'm not the PDGA president or any member of the board. I have, I'm not a part of a state board. I'm not a part of anything that really matters in disc golf outside of helping out with our local club, not even an official capacity, just, Hey, we're going out for a work day tomorrow. Let's clean up a couple of these horse, these horses. <laughs> Let's clean up a couple of the horses. <laughs> Let's clean up a couple of the courses, you know, a couple of holes on the courses and, and I help out and I do that. And, you know, people kind of count on me to show up and help out. And I love helping out and doing that. I love being outdoors. I love disc golf and I want to make those courses the best they can be. So it's just one of those things. So you hold back your opinion or clout in YouTube views. Uh, not. Jacob Bryan asks, so you hold back your opinion for clout and YouTube views. I hold my I hold back my opinions for things that aren't disc golf related. So I have no problem saying my opinion about disc golf related things and just saying like what I think Justin did was dumb. <clears throat> Calling Brody a jerk like that after the PDGA and tour kind of dropped the ball a bit on that. And I understand I was watching uh, I forget which interview it was. I've watched a bunch of different interviews that 
they said that's the way the Utah Open's always been run um, with how they had it set up there, which I think is kind of an oversight. But players who've always played that just go, this is how it's always been. And just because this is how it's always been doesn't mean that's right. So that's kind of how I feel about that. But I do, I share my opinion. I don't care. I talk to the guys in the club all the time about whatever is going on. We talk about the different shots. We talk about different things going on with the PDGA. Uh, there are different, um, there are different um, things that are going on with our club in general that are, you know, disc golf politics, you know, uh, we're having issues with some of our people, but you know, that's any organization period. You could look at the, you know, Rotary Club, the Lions Club, the all the local clubs like that, that anyone can join. If there's people involved, there's going to be politics and politics brings issues. Politics ruins everything, you know, and that's just kind of how things go. Um, but yeah, so I, I again, just kind of reiterating, like I have no problem talking about disc golf, but outside of disc golf, like, you know, politics, religion things like that, that all gets super touchy and it doesn't matter what you say. You will piss off a lot of people. You could say, you know, I don't know. George Washington was the greatest president ever and somehow people will get pissed off. I, you know, I'm trying to think of the least controversial thing and yet people will still get pissed off about something because that's just how it goes. I, you know, whatever. And the PDGA does like, I don't, I really think they need to separate out the uh, pros from the PDGA. I think what's, what would really help there is if they just focus on being say the governing body and the amateurs. I think they serve that side of disc golf really well. I think I hit the microphone there. I think they, I think they really hit that. (laughs) I think they really do a good job on that side. Are there issues? You know, can you have issues with the local TD? Yeah, I was just reading a post on. Oh, I forget which Facebook group it was, um, but they had an issue with someone who registered for a tournament as an AM2 didn't have a rating. Uh, ratings came out and was clearly in the AM1 division. The TD did not change this person, even though they had like a month notification. Nobody changed it dominated am2 moved him up during the middle of the tournament and kind of and won am1 but screwed over everybody else in am1 who didn't know that this player was moved up so that is more of a td issue than a pdga issue and as far as i know i haven't been a pdga or a a td for a, a sanctioned event but as far as i understand it what people were commenting said like you get a td report to start like a couple days before and the day before And that guy's name should have been bolded in red saying like, hey, you know, you don't, you know, this guy doesn't belong in AM2. His his um, PDGA or his rating is too high. He needs to be AM1. And that was kind of the fault there. I think, like I said, I think the PDGA does a pretty decent job at the local and amateur levels because it's more control like that. I think it sounds like generally speaking the players are enjoying the disc golf pro tour run tournaments. And I, I think there just kind of needs to be a split with that. I, that's what I think is going to happen. 
I think that's what's going to help the most. And that's fine. There's, I mean, there's splits in all the major sports. NHL, MLB, NFL, NBA, all have like the pro league is the pro league. And then you have the college level and you have the high school level and yeah, there's clubs in there and hockey does it weird with juniors and all that. But there are distinct levels and there's separation between all the different ones there. So, you know, if I think it would be okay if the PDGA did split like that, but you know, we'll see what happens. Who knows? Maybe they'll get things together. Maybe they won't. I don't know. But, um, what I do know is that we have a local pusher in the area, in the Fort Wayne area, a guy that is just an enabler of just the worst plastic habits ever. Uh, there's a local article posted at one o'clock in the morning, at prime reading time there in Fort Wayne. You know, everybody's up in the middle of the, the night like that. I'm talking about the guy who uh, designed and installed the very first disc golf course in Fort Wayne. Now there are currently five in Fort Wayne with a handful of others in the surrounding area. Like I'm 20 minutes away from eight different disc golf courses. Some are better than others. So there's that. Um, it's just a really cool article talking about how he visited a friend back in 1977. Uh, the guy's name is Kevin Smith. Not, not, not that Kevin Smith, but in 1977, uh, visited a friend, played a disc golf course in the middle of a wide median of a four lane highway. So, yeah, 70s. You lose your disc and it's going to be gone. Oh, there it goes right in the back of that pickup truck and we'll never, ever see it again. The first unofficial course in town um, was just using uh, at um, Sweeney Park, a different park in town where he, you know, people would just stand, you know, you're going to stand by the fire hydrant and throw to the light pole. And then once you get to the light pole, you're going to stand and throw over to the tree over there kind of thing. But this is the first one that they put in the ground. And that was officially done in uh, 1980. Yes, I, I am. At, oh, I'm not from Fort Wayne, but I live there now. Currently, it's a ton of fun. Fort fun. So uh, he got was able to uh, get some help of a uh, uh, poinsett, poinsetti um, to help design uh, his uh, disc golf course. He said Frisbee is one of our major passions at the time. So the Frisbee golf idea sounded like a really cool thing. My specialty was able to see the layout of where you could tee off and where a hole would be where it's fun. And for the most part, those original tees and baskets are in the same spots. There have been a handful that were moved just for some safety reasons, but they're only moved by like 10, 15 feet. So generally speaking, the course isn't that different from what it was originally designed to be. Now, it is they've added blue tees, which are just alternate tees little bit longer in some cases, a little bit shorter in others that are just different looks because Shelf Park is, in my opinion, the most friendly, beginner friendly disc golf course. Now, it is a long course, but it is the least wooded course and there is no water. So generally, it is beginner friendly in the fact that you're not going to shoot par, but you're not going to lose a disc. So that's going to be great. And you're not going to spend 20 minutes looking in the woods for it. 
So that's one of those things there. Um, they started the first local tor- uh, tournament, the Don Ho Frisbee Golf Invitational, where Smith was presented a red coat as the sport's local inventor, or Smith likes to say, enabler. The tournament was fun and included the rule, alcoholic, beverage, alcoholic beverages are not permitted on the course unless consumed in mass quantities. Things have changed for disc golf tournaments. Now you just can't have alcoholic beverages. Now, but regular disc golf, you going out with your friends? There are so many times I'm out on the course and I just hear what I can assume is a 12-pack rattling around in someone's bag because, oh my God, people are just constantly drinking. Um, there are object golf courses on UDisc in, part, in parts. Yeah, I've played one. Um, I, when I studied abroad in Australia, we played one as part of a way to get ready for uh, nationals when, we were, when I was there. The school I was studying at, we went to nationals and they had that frisbee golf and you just took your regular catch disc and it was, that's all you did. It kind of pissed me off a little bit because there's one you had to land in the gazebo and I landed in the gazebo and it just slid right out on the concrete. So I wasn't very happy about that. Not bitter at all. That was only 10 years ago. Uh, Family's from Columbia City. Nice. That's awesome. There are some good courses out in Warsaw too. Um, Columbia City, I haven't played any there though. But so that uh, that course here around, took off a little bit. It became the Donho Invitational, switched to uh, Shelf Park and lasted for 10 years before uh, folding, unfortunately. And it turns out that Shelf Park course, and this is according to the article, was one of the longest on the national tour. It was six, it is more than 6,000 feet long. And according, let me pull it up on UDisc. What is it right now? According to UDisc, I'm going to keep going here. Oh, Shelf. Nope, that's the blue course. Um, Shelf Park. Oh, that's the 24 holes. We added a couple years ago, we added six holes in the woods. And that was so much fun to do. It was really cool to add that in and just have that and and just be able to be part of that. Uh, the red main layout. OK, so they've they've changed the layout uh, a bit. It is, according to UDisc, 5,141 feet. The blue layout is 6,006 feet, according to UDisc. So plus or minus, give or take 200 over all those holes. So they might have measured the blue tees for this article. Um, but it is a substantially long course, especially as one of the first ones in the U.S., especially for the national tour. So that was pretty cool. Um, before this, they said before this, all we did was throw frisbees back and forth and maybe catch it behind your back. The golf gave us something to do. And because of that course being added in there, several of the local pros just started picking it up in high school. And that's how it happened. They got out. They played. One guy is sponsored by Innova. 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 And the other one is Dynamic Discs. Um, so it's, it's really cool that, uh, the local paper wrote an article about this. I mean, disc golf is growing pretty big here, which is so much fun. Um, and we've got one more topic here. What else did I have in this, uh, main topic here? Uh, disc golf hits the slopes. This is all about disc golf courses. Oh, why is that being weird? Microsoft, get your act together. Come on, I thought Windows 11 is supposed to be great. Actually, I thought Windows 10 was supposed to be the last operating system ever, but that is a whole different story, and that's all tech, and this is not tech, this is disc golf. 
And we're talking about disc golfing on ski slopes, which is becoming more and more popular. Um, Arapaho, uh, this is a U-Disc article that Arapaho features them and it features, whoopsies, where'd it go? Magic Mountain Ski Area uh, in Vermont with Arapaho in Dillon, Colorado. They are, um, they've both added different um, courses, layouts there, and they've had a ton of fun doing it. And it's brought in a whole bunch of uh, people into these mountains on the off season. And that's one of the big things that a lot of these slopes have going for them right now is they need a way to attract more people in during the off season. Like it's not hard to get a ski hill packed during the winter months. Very easy to do during the summer months, trying to convince someone to climb a mountain for fun without the ski lift or just hike around. I mean, I like hiking. I like doing that stuff. So I would be one to do that. However, um, other people might not be. And adding a disc golf course in there is a great idea. Plus, you pull the baskets in the winter and you're good to go. It's it's a ton of fun. Um, the one at Arapaho starts at 11,000 feet and moves up to a thousand moves up another thousand feet above sea level. So you're starting at the bottom and moving up. And I think like it's really cool. They're, they said their challenge was they wanted to design a course where it didn't feel like you're just throwing uphill. Where you're just like, okay, now I'm down here. Yeah, it's 500 feet with, you know, 75 feet, 100 feet of elevation. So they have a few holes that throw uphill. A lot of them kind of throw diagonal so it doesn't feel as bad. Although rollaways are pretty bad there would be my assumption. You get a you get a bad roll. <laughs> Goodbye. All right, so this is a 500-foot hole, and uh, it's rolling, it's rolling, it's rolling. Okay, good. My upshot is now 1,100 feet. Sweet. I now have to throw twice the length of the hole to get to the basket. Thank you. This is awesome. But it looks like a lot of fun. Like, I live approximately two and a half hours from Toboggan. That is one of my bucket list courses, and no, I haven't played it yet. I haven't played it this season. I've been trying to, but... You know, little things coming up like, you know, family members getting married selfishly on uh, deciding to do that when it was a gorgeous weekend and I could have been out playing disc golf. So selfish. And, um, you know, I finally I'm like, okay, I've got the time. I can do it. I'm going to go play today. And the course is closed because of a tournament. Okay. All right. Well, now I can do it today. And thunder and lightning is everywhere in Michigan. Great. Yes, this is awesome. So on uh, the 2020 offseason at Arapaho, um, that was their busiest time yet. They managed to get over a thousand UDIS scorecards for their property that year. And so my in, in the estimations by UDISC, they say that about half the people use UDISC. So you're looking at approximately 2000 rounds of disc golf played at a ski hill. That's, you know, at least. 2000 people who've never who probably wouldn't have gone there to do that so that's pretty cool and um yeah exactly uh sea dog makes a great point uh that sounds like a good use for the off season i uh, i haven't found a pay-to-play course that wasn't worth the money yet i i agree i've only played two different pay-to-play courses and it was a blast. One of the courses that we're currently installing in Fort Wayne is going to be a pay to play course 
they haven't figured out cost yet. We only have nine baskets in the ground and we haven't put any tee pads in yet. We're working on that. The property that it's on is at a seminary that has an athletics department and a couple of the guys are huge into it. The people who are making the choices are like, ah, oh, we'll see how this goes. This disc golf thing's just a flash in the pan. It's not going to stay around. And we're like, oh, are you drunk or high? Possibly both. Uh, so they're they're talking about doing that. They're talking about increasing or at least, you know, giving it an option when we uh, pay our membership fees to the club every year to include that somehow. And um, I know I really I, I really want to get up there. I'm actually playing um, side note. Speaking of Michigan, I am going to be playing the River City Open uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, two courses that uh, I've not played before uh, Brewer Park. And I can't I'm going to have to pull up disc golf scene to find the other one because I can't remember. <sighs> and on top of that, they've had a ton of rain. And one of the possible courses that I, I would be playing uh is not due to flooding riverside park will not be playing there this weekend we'll move forward with the course schedule announced earlier this week you can find it on the comment directly below that oh helps if i get into the actual comments here yes so uh i will be playing pool a two rounds at brewer park one round at hammond hills t so hopefully those will be fine um, I was looking at Brewer Park. It looked like a ton of fun to play, uh, which it was it, it was crazy long too. Let's see, Brewer Park. Earl W. Brewer Park. The layout was going to be do do do. Why is it why is this being so difficult to find? Riverside, Riverside, Johnson. Okay. Earl Brewer Park. It was oh, I want to say that the course was over. 8,000 feet long. So it was going to be quite the challenge there. Um, but it was also going to be fun. Uh, yeah, 8,000, par 61, 8,284 feet, mixed of wooded and open. And it, it looks like it's going to be a blast. Um, unfortunately, I won't be able to play that one, but we'll be playing Riverside and Johnson. And Riverside is looking to be, we're going to be playing the world's layout as far as I know. And of course, I can't find anything on here right now because I'm looking for it. And why would I want to be able to find anything when I'm looking for it? Isn't that how it always goes? But I'll have um, it's a shotgun start on Saturday, two rounds at Riverside Park. And then Sunday will be tea times at um, Johnson Park. So I'll be playing there afterwards and um, we'll see how I do. Hopefully, well, there's 144 people there and the players pack. From what I understand, in years past, have been pretty awesome. So I'll be be curious to see how that goes. Just like I really want, like like I said, toboggan is on my bucket list. My in-laws did a trip around Lake Michigan last year, stopped at a couple different courses, um, or basically stopped at a couple different ski resorts in the fall, and um, saw disc golf courses and sent me some pictures. I'm like, I looked at my wife. I was like, Can we drive to the UP, please? It's only like nine hours. We can, it's it's a two day trip. Easy. We can do it. If we leave now, I can tee off at eight o'clock in the morning. It'd be great. <laughs> but she wasn't sold on that for some reason. And I don't know why it just I don't know why she didn't want to. It doesn't make sense. But, you know, 
those of you who are not deeply entrenched in disc golf, and my wife likes going walking and just being outside, and she's, I, I got her three Frisbees, three discs, and she likes throwing them, but um, she's not insane like most of us. But uh, I think that just about does it. Um, I want to thank everybody for watching and chatting, finding this uh, YouTube channel. Um, my the the subscriber count has exploded here on YouTube. Uh, last I checked, in the last week, roughly this time last week, I had around sixty nine subscribers. Nice, and I now have two hundred and forty or so. Um, but I, I want to thank everybody. Like I, I put out that thank you video when I hit a hundred and since then I've blown that out of the water. So I don't know here. Um, yeah, she doesn't, yeah, she doesn't have, she doesn't have bugs like I do, but, um, that's because she got the, uh, flea and tick medicine. I, they forgot to give that one to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been awesome. It's been insane. Uh, the growth. I, I plan to keep coming out with the content, keep trying to uh, just talk about disc golf, give my opinions, try to bring light to some news. You know, somebody, I, I love YouTube comments. Oh man, if people think they're going to piss me off with YouTube comments, it's not going to happen. Uh, I was called worse things in grade school, believe it or not. Um, it was pretty, pretty fun to read some of them. I am a jerk. I am only doing this for YouTube points and a simp all at the same time. So uh, it's been fun reading those and I've been getting quite the giggle out of it. I even got yelled at by someone who said, why did this show up in my feed? I don't know who you are. Why am I getting disc golf drama in my feed? I'm like, dude, don't talk to me. That's the YouTube algorithm. I don't know what you clicked on to make it come up with me, but um that's that's what it is. Um, oh, yeah. Before I go, who are your top three favorite disc golf players? I like um, I like Jeremy Colling. This is going to be in no specific order. Uh, I like Jeremy Colling. I'm a big forehand player. I learned to throw forehand. I self-taught. Um, and so finding out that he's a big forehand guy and watching that, um, I've kind of like I played baseball for a long time. So I kind of had that sidearm with me. Like, I don't go over the top. It's a true sidearm. What you're exactly not supposed to do for pitching. Um, so uh, I like him. I like watching his forehand shots, which is great. I like uh, Zach Melton. He, I don't know. Listening to him talk about disc golf is hilarious. It's awesome. Listening to him talk about going out of bounds three times in a row on uh, at the Dynamic Discs Open this year, formerly Glass Blown Open, which is just freaking hilarious. He just seems like a super chill dude, someone you want to hang out with. And honestly, I also kind of, um, I'm kind of torn between, um, on, on the women's side, I, I guess it's a tie between Sarah Holcomb because of she is like forehand only if she's throwing a backhand. I mean, she's kind of worked on her backhand and it's actually doing all right. But generally speaking, if she's throwing a backhand, something's wrong and i also like macy walker who is definitely an up-and-comer uh, out of tennessee she's she seems really cool um i'm glad you love the news side of the channel i think i'm gonna stick a little more to the news side i'm gonna try to do reviews i know they're kind of they're not the best i'll admit that 
I work on it. Um, it seems like when I do the reviews, disc reviews on a short, it does a lot better. So I think I might stick to shorts format and just try to limit disc disc reviews to like five minutes or so. Um, I try to do the follow the flight. I think that kind of helps people out there. Uh, I am a one man camera crew, everything. So sometimes the disc goes out of shot and I don't know it until after the fact. It's kind of rough. Um, but that is what it is. That's a little inside baseball chit chat right there. But thank you all again for watching, subscribing, all that stuff. I'm going to try to keep coming out with more new stuff. We're going to see how this goes. We're expecting our first child here in September. So I have this odd feeling that I'm going to have a huge momentum, a huge wave of momentum going into September. And then I will be murdered if I am not around to help. Uh, Anybody out there listening and watching who has children probably will understand. Um, But again, thank you all for watching. Uh, Don't forget to like, subscribe, share if you're watching, listening, all that fun stuff. I'm on anchor.fm. That's the main hosting site, anchor.fm slash Joe's Disc Golf. Otherwise on Apple, Google, Spotify, Breaker, everything that I can think of. Uh, I think iHeartRadio might carry it as well. I can't remember if I got that all filled out crazy, but you know. Um, YouTube personalities, yeah. Uh, Simon Lazat and Holly Finley, yeah. Um, I think uh, Brody's an interesting to, interesting one to watch too. Um, not a huge fan, but I, re- I you know I respect the game. He, he does he's a, he does a good job. Um, but again, thank you all for watching, listening. I could keep going on for hours and hours, and I have things to do, including league tonight. So I need I need to get ready to go to league. Um, first one of round two. But as always, don't forget to thank Treesus as you when you get a great tree kick, and if you have kicked deeper into the woods, well, you've transgressed against Treesus, and you must reflect and repent and ask for forgiveness. Thank you all for watching. As always, I've been Joe. You've been awesome. And I can't wait to see you all in the next video, live stream, podcast, whatever you are going to watch.